theyeshiva.net. If you come to somebody and say, here, I want you to live this life, and as a result of living this life, you won't exist anymore. You have to give up your existence. You have to give up your individuality. You have to suppress everything that made you, you. Miraglim said this is a terrible, terrible thing. And the echo of what they're saying, we could still hear today. As people often say, that Judaism, or God, or religion, or Torah, or mitzvahs, or whatever it is that they particularly define as a, a great challenge for them, or a great trauma for them, is so difficult because I was never taught that I was allowed to be me. In fact, there was no room for me. There was no me at all. There was no me. I was never even, I didn't even know that I am, that I exist, or that my existence has any value. And uh, not only that, but for me to think that my existence had value would be a denial of God's existence. To me, it's not for Kelechem. Huh? Yeah. So this is the big time of the Miraglim. Eretz Echelis Yishva. Bittel destroys. It obliterates. It kills. Who wants it? But the Balatanya says, the Altarebbe says, that this was a Lashon Hara. As he puts it, Miraglim Shakronim Hoyu. Miraglim was not saying the truth. They were saying a Shek. And for this he brought the Zoyar in Parshas Bereshus. But the Zoyar says that it's really the other way around. What's the other way around? So let's see right to the inside. Avol be'emes The line starts be'emes e'neke. You see page 90, daf mem hey amid gimel. But Emes, it's not true. Why is it not true? 
Ki Adirabe, it's really the other way around. Adirabe means the contrary. Iker hachiyus hu habitl. The main source of chayis is the bitl. Not only is it not that bitl doesn't destroy fakert, adirab. The main chayis is bitl. It doesn't mean destroying, bitl doesn't mean chalila, he says v'shalom on it. It's interesting. V'shalom means heaven forbid to say that bitl means destroying the whole mitzvah. So chas v'shalom. He uses on it chas v'shalom. Over there by the malachim, it was a particular oynish, a punishment. Al-kein is batlum and mitzvah lagamri. Mashenkin be bittled in a shamas Israel, Adirab. Al Yedeva Atamat Vekim is Chayim Kolchamaya. By the Nishamas Israel is the opposite. Through the Atamat Vekim Basham Alakechim, through the Dvekas in Hashem, you would think that that would spell the opposite of Chayim. Bittle, you become nullified. So the Pasik says, no, even though the Atamat Vekim is Chayim Kolchamaya. Ah, you're telling me it's a fire, and fire. Whatever you put into the fire, the fire consumes, the fire obliterates. It has to become part of the fire. So therefore, the Zoyar would say, if he's a blue fire, a black fire, he destroys everything that's in the fire. Nonetheless, we say, here it's Chayim Kol You become more alive, not less alive. You become more you through Bittl. That seems like a paradox. So why are you calling it bitl? You're telling me that through bitl you become more you, not less you. You become more present, more alive, more intact. Your existence is intensified. Your existence is consolidated. What's this machleikas? The reason for this is as the Zoyer explains over the Empire's Beresh is tochazi. Come and see. It's going to quote Zohar there with Aramaic words. Call inun dela'ela. All those who are above. Ba'hu nahoyret tichle iskalalon. They become absorbed in the blue fire. Avol tatoi, but those who are below, lav hochi. That's not that way. The inun milagasa, because they are brute material. And hence, the fire consumes them, obliterates them. The Zoya makes a distinction between two types of reality. What we see from here, the Nahoyde Tichla, blue fire, doesn't eat up and doesn't shotzi, shotzi means destroy, doesn't shotzi, doesn't destroy, rak milagasa. Only that which is thick, which is brute, which is gas. Which is basically the ego of what we call klipas noiga, the shell, which is completely alien. And therefore can be absorbed in the fire which we call malchus. Only by nullifying his essence. Because you need the clipper to be obliterated. You need the clipper, the shell, to be removed. So therefore, what you're looking for is the bitl ha The shell should be removed. 
But those who are above, essentially they're part of holiness. Even though they become included in Malchus with a state of Bittl, in this Bittl doesn't destroy them. This is actually the ultimate perfection of their reality. It's the greatest form of self-actualization. Chas v'shalem to say that it destroys somebody. It's tachlis shleimus mitziyusah. It's the ultimate shleimus. It's the ultimate self-actualization. You hear what he says, what Alter Rebbe says here. The efsher, it's possible... This is an extraordinary interpretation now. This is the image of the sne that Hashem showed Moshe. This burning bush, the sne. What happened? The Ksiv, the Pasuk says, The burning bush, the bush, the thorn bush is burning on fire. It's on fire. But the snare is not being consumed. What's this funny miracle here? What's the point? The Medrash Rabbah says in Shmois, on that parsha, parsha base, Mikan Omru, from here they said, Ha'esha Lamaila, so refes Heavenly fire, the fire above godly fire, how do you know it's godly? It burns, but it doesn't destroy. So how do you know, how do you distinguish between godly fire and ungodly fire? Ungodly fire burns and destroys. Godly fire, sayrefes ve'enoichelos. That's the sne. The image of Moshe, sne boya be'esh, fasne nenuk. Vahainu kedepidisham, that's what the Medrash says, the sne hainu Yisrael. Sne is a metaphor for the Jewish people. The sne represents the Jew. This Jew is boya be'esh, but he's not destroyed. To say that Bittl means he's destroyed, he says on it chas On the contrary, not only is he not destroyed, it's tachlis shleimus mitziyusa. He becomes more alive through the fire. He becomes actualized, or she becomes actualized through the fire. What do you say? What do you want to say? That's what the Zoya says. Depends what. Depends what. That's what that's the distinction he made, yeah. So the snare is like someone is growth. When the heavenly fire comes down, the snare, let's say, has shoots on it, whatever, that would have been burnt? In other words, the shells, the shell and the husk that's blocking his kedusha, that the fire will remove. Why was this snare so... Was so so let's, let's explain, let's explain. What's the question with the snare? There were many, throughout Bereshus, the whole Sefer Bereshus, Hashem reveals Himself to many people, and He communicates to many people. Constantly. He speaks to Adam, He speaks to Chava, even speaks to the snake, speaks to Kai, speaks to Noyach. Bereshus is a lot of people who have interesting, interesting people who talk to God. He speaks to Lavan, speaks to Avimelech. Yeah, all these Menachem, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Rivka, Vayoyim Allah Hashem. How does God speak to them? How does Hashem speak to Avraham Avinu? I don't know. 
how does he speak to them? He speaks to them. He communicates to them in a way that they all felt that it was God speaking to them. Suddenly in Parsha Shmois, Hashem speaks to Moshe. He could have spoken to them like he spoke to everybody else. Moshe was in the desert. Vayera Hashem al Moshe. Right? Or Vayoyimir Hashem al Moshe. And he said, Lech Lecha, go back to Egypt. That's not what happens. There's a whole display of fireworks. It's a whole... So, Lebedekamai said it. Moshe sees a snab by a beish and snein and uhu, and he says, A surun of eris, amara, godlazem, adol, ivrasna. And Hashem says, Hallo, stand, halt. Shalna, lechem, araglecha, ke amokama, shatomid, love, admas, koydishum. And the obvious question is, what was the point of this? Avramavino didn't need fireworks. Yitzchak didn't need fireworks. Yaakov didn't need fireworks. Adam didn't. Hashem spoke to them, he spoke to them. Here suddenly a Moshe needed this whole image. That's what's perturbing the Medrash. Well, there was a point here, there was a message. So the Balatanya is being mechadish here, that this miracle wasn't just a miracle to impress Moshe Rabbeinu. It was the message he wanted to tell him. It was, this was part of the communication. What was the communication here? Remember that Moshe Rabbeinu was about not only to go liberate the Jewish people, but to turn them into an Am Hashem. This is the beginning of Avodas Hashem. This is the beginning of Matan Torah. They're not only leaving Egypt as a free nation. They're going to a mountain to accept the mandate of Torah Mitzvahs. They're entering in. They're entering into a covenant with the Rebbeinu Shalom. Here, there's a big question in life, and that is. You're taking me out of bondage. You're taking me out of slavery. You're taking me out to put me into a new base of Adam. You took me out of prison to put me in a new prison. Right? You took me out of Parai and you're putting me in, in a new prison, a new trap. And in many ways the new prison is worse than the old prison. Because in the old prison at least I could run away somewhere. The new prison, you can't run anywhere. Even in the bathroom, Meloi Chalar, it's there's nothing you will do that you won't get punished. Right? The way you tie your shoelaces will hold you accountable for. The way you cut your nails is discussed. The way you go to the bathroom. Pyre at least didn't go, doesn't come to the bathroom. He doesn't have cameras in the bathroom. But Google is in the bathroom also. is everywhere. So here's the big question. You want me to leave Mitzrayim and you want to do me a favor to take me out. And what do you want to do here? Put me in a whole new Avdus. Kabolos oil malchus shamayim. A yoke. Avodayheim. Avodayheim veloy avodim la avodim. You're my avodim. That's the big question. Moshe is going to Mitzrayim now. What's this purpose? The answer to this was the sna. What does the sna represent? He's burning. The sna is burning. Vasnei nenuk. And that's the question that's being raised here. And this is the debate between the Miraglim. The way the Balatanya understands the perspective of the Miraglim versus the perspective of Yeshua and Kalev and Moshe Rabbeinu, etc. And it's all in the vision of the Sna. And the big question here is, when a godly fire burns, does it destroy or does it not destroy? That means, if you're being taught Judaism or Yiddishkeit, and the person giving you that fire, you're feeling that you're being destroyed, 
that means it has nothing to do with godly fire. If it's Eishalamayla, it's Tzorefes. It puts you on fire, but Eishalamayla. You don't get ukal from it. You don't get destroyed from it. If you're getting destroyed from it, nothing to do with godly fire. If it's bitl that has to do with Eretz Yisrael, with Alakus, with Kedusha, it's Einoi Chelas. doesn't destroy it. It never destroys a person, ever. It never makes a person feel that they don't exist. It never makes a person feel that they're valueless. It never makes a person feel even less than a shmata. Shmata, at least, is makabal tumah. You're so bad, you're not even makabal tumah. You are the tumah. You're the you're a via voice a tumah. A beged gimel, a small beged gimel atzbayis al gimel atzbayis. It's not a shmata, but there's dinim. There's dinim on the bound. You there's bchal no dinim. The gehenim was created for you. But not only that, you are the gehenim. Everyone comes into you to go to Gehenna. Atkadekach. Huh? Shedetz is nachoich adavar chashev. So the ganz in the dinner mit shrotzim. Shrotzim are a kabbal tumas, the shmoyna shrotzim, metame bekadosha. Shedetz is a metzias in Allah. The miskin shedetz oichnasht. Alavayvos given a shedetz. If there would be a shedetz, Chazal would deal with you. There would be psukim about you, mesechtes, mishnayas. We don't even deal with you. These types of messages don't have to do with godliness. They're a distortion of godliness. Why? This was the first vision, not to Avram, not to Yitzchak, only to Moshe. Why? Because Moshe is the one who's going to communicate the whole Torah to the Jewish people. He's going to turn them into an Am Hashem. The question is, what is the destiny of a nation of God? What does a nation of God look like? Do they look like a bunch of zombies? A bunch of people who don't have an existence because their motto is Bittl. And what's Bittl? Bittl is, I cease to exist. So the first vision to Moshe Rabbeinu is, what you're trying to create is you want to give people a fire. When you're standing on holy soil, there'll be a fire, but it won't consume. It won't obliterate. It won't eat up. So when the Meraglim say, they're going back to that image. They're saying, that's not true. Maybe the Sne, but Eretz Yisrael, it's going to do ukol. Ukol and Eichelus is the same word. Eichel, it eats up. It, it kills you. You eat something, it's gone. The food is gone. Yeah. And it's Eichelus, Yeshvei. said, this was Loshon Hara. This was a Sheker. It's a fire. Hashem Alekecha Eish Eichla. That's the distinction. Those things that don't belong to Kedusha, they, they're basically a clip or a shell. So you want to get rid of the shell. Once you're dealing with something that's truly holy, then the bittel doesn't destroy it, the bittel perfects it. The bittel lets it become who it really is, who it's actual, what it's, bittel allows it to actualize. There's a beautiful story that uh, somebody once told it Tzemach Tzedek, Tzemach Tzedek was a grandson of the Balatanya, his daughter's, the Balatanya's daughter, her name was Rebbe Tzedvarileya, she passed away very young, and her, he raised his he raised her baby. He was a yasim, Rabbi Nachman al who later succeeded his father-in-law, the Mittler Rebbe. 
So the Tzamech Tzedek was once sitting and somebody said he wants to tell him a story about his Zayd, about the Balatanya. The story he told him was that somebody once brought the Balatanya a gift, a Zilben Shmek Tabak Pushkala. You know, Shmek Tabak is a snuff box. You snuff tobacco, you Shmek Tabak. And somebody brought him a gift, a beautiful silver, real silver, pure silver box, Pushka, with the tobacco in it, which he could snuff. So the Balatanya took it, and he said, So the ein aver in guf was his nishkin baltaiva. There's one part of the body that is not a glutton, and that's the nose. The nose is edel aver. So we have to turn that also into baltaiva. So he tells it to Machzadek, and Yuzayde broke off the box of the snuff box, the box, the, sil- the silver, the cover, the lid, and it was it was pure silver, so it could be used as a mirror. And he used it as a mirror for his tefillin shorosh in the morning before Davin. That's what he told it to Machzadek. When he said over the story, he said, Yuzayde broke, he broke the lid of the box to use for tefillin. So the Tzamech Tzedek, told this person, this is the Lashness. The Zayde is nish given shayich zu brechen. Nish zich or nish tiena. Elamai et arez genum in the chut hamachaber from the michse me the kufse. The male is as nifred given, that is he can't not some fatfilm. My grandfather wasn't capable of breaking. He didn't break himself, nor did he break others. <coughs> There's the hinge, there's the hinge that connects the cover to the box. The pin, the pin. The chut, he removed the chut amachaba, the pin, and then he could use it for tefillin. That's the mice. If you think about this, the guy said that Al-Tareba broke. said, no, he wasn't shayich to breaking, not himself. First of all, who's talking about breaking himself? Who's talking about breaking, talking about breaking a box? He wanted to use it as a mirror, it's not baltashkas. He wasn't shayich. Someone said he was trying to say something. What was he trying? He was trying to bring out, I think, this Nakuda. And that is, whenever you read or you hear the concept of Bittal, the concept of Shviris Halev, all this, if what you're hearing is, if the message you're hearing is that the objective is to destroy yourself or to destroy your children or to destroy your students, then it has no connection to Yiddishkeit. This is the Miraglim's Yiddishkeit. It's a Loshon Hara and it's a Sheker. He uses two words, Loshon Hara and Sheker. It's slander and it's a lie. And that's why it's destructive. Lies are destructive. What is it then? It's the opposite, he says. Not only is it not, the Loshon here is in the Maimer, not only that the Bittal, Enoi Mechala Oisan Chas V'Shalom, Zeu Tachlis Shleimus Metziyosim. Because let's think about it. What's the idea here? If you touch Bittal as self-destruction, self-obliteration, self-annihilation, that's what Bittal means. The Miraglim are right. You exist. God exists. I want you to nullify yourself for Him. Eretz Echelis Yeshva. What says they're wrong? Where are they wrong? Or to put it differently, He's a fire. You go into the fire, and the fire destroys you. That's it. That's what it means. What does it mean to be an Eved Hashem? 
To be an Eved Hashem means you don't exist. He exists. You're a slave. You're a servant. There's no you. So why are you telling me that Bittl is Taklis, Shleimus, Mitzayusfer? The ultimate of his Mitzayus. What's the ultimate? We're the ultimate. I'm not, I don't care for your Mitzayus. I want to destroy it. That's what a fire does. What is this Vasnein and Uukal? The Pshat is, that means we're not Teufus, what Kedusha is all about. What godliness is all about. What Yiddishkeit is all about. What the whole Nekuda of Bittl is. And here you have to distinguish between two parts in the person. And that's the Zoyar's distinction between the Elyon and the Tachten. Or as he puts it here, between the Dover Zar, the Min Minoi, the alien thing that the fire destroys, which he calls the Klippa. Klippa, the Klippa goes away in the fire. And then there is Inun de La'ela. Those are connected to Kedusha. Bittel never destroys them. Anybody wants to explain what the, how they understand this? In their own lives. Isaac, do you what the Balatanya Zakta? What's not possible in reality? Huh? No, this is even Bitlayesh. Here he's talking about he's talking about the blue fire, he's not talking about Bittl Bats and Mavada, he's talking even Bitlayesh. Also not disruptive. Also not. He's talking about Bitlayesh, blue fire. No, here he's not talking about Bittl Batsam. He's talking here in this Maim Khalas is Bitlayesh. He's not talking about Bittl Batsam is already shitted that it's not destruction. The Khidashiv is Bitlayesh. So a little Hasber. At least one it could. It has to do with one you sight. And that is when I say the fire is consuming this reality, the fire is obliterating this reality. Not only does the dveikim not make death, the Dveikus makes Chaim. He's not saying a bittel is not destructive. That's half the problem. That's half the issue. He's saying here is the Chius comes from bittel. Fakert, without bittel, then you're dead. Without bittel, you're dead. With bittel, oh, you start to be somebody. So it's Pugfarken. Not only is not Pshad that bittel doesn't mean destruction, that you're nobody. Fakert, without bittel, you're nobody. With Bittel Fakert. He says, that, that, that's Gardachius. That's the Admas Kodesh. That's Gardamein Chayis. Why? What's, what's the insight? The issue has to do here with how you define the self. How you define the truth of a person. And how you define, of course, when you say Hashem. Or Godliness. Or Kedusha. Or Torah. Or Yiddishkeit. All these things. Again, how you define you. And how you define God. 
That's the key issue here. If those issues are not redefined, then you can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> so this is all based on a certain premise, how you define you, and how you define Yiddishkeit, how you define Hashem. And very often, whenever there's conversations about this, the problem is not the conversation. The conversation, people can't communicate because their definitions are different. Imagine you and me are arguing if this particular person was at the Shia today or not at the Shia today. The problem is we have two different names for him. <laughs> I think his name is Moshe. Yeah, you think his name is Yankel. I say Moshe was here. Yeah, he was not here. The problem is you have a different name for him. You understand? So we're arguing and arguing and we're not arguing. <laughs> that person was here. This is my name and your name are different names. It's extremely important to understand. Somebody says, God is this, Judaism is this. We may not be arguing. A Jew once came to Baditshavet and he said, I don't believe in God. So he said to God, you don't believe and I also don't believe. <laughs> Very deep. We're not disagreeing. The God you don't believe in, in fact, that God, thank God you don't believe in Him. Thank God you don't believe in that God. That's a question. That's a question. So if somebody doesn't understand the concept of the snare, it doesn't mean it doesn't understand it. It's not helping it's, it's a different what he thinks. Yeah. It's a different identity. It's a whole different definition. The same is the word bitl. You hear the word bitl, two people hear completely different things. Why? It's not based on the word, it's based on their paradigm. The same is true with the expression Kabbalah Samal Khashamaya. So what is this different paradigm? The Yisoyed Hadavar is as follows. The truest truth of a human being, or as he puts it here, the Lash Neshamas Yisrael, the truest truth, the core reality of Neshamas Yisrael, of a human being is, that he or she is divine. That he or she is part of infinity. That he or she is part of Ein Saif. That's the truest self. That's the true identity of the human being. Therefore, becoming absorbed in the fire of the divine is not destruction of self. It's actually the realization of self. Because the self and the divine are one. They're deeply connected. Since your Metzius is Dveikus in Hashem, so Chayim Kol That Dveikus gives you life. Imagine the body gets upset one day. The left arm turns to the right arm and says, you know, I'm fed up. What are you fed up by? I'm fed up by the, dicta- the dictator. He says, who's the dictator? He says, in the brain, there's this little jello in the skull. They call him a brain. Yeah? With one punch. And he sits here in the brain. He tells me what to do. All day. Do this, do this, do this. Pick up your hand, lower your hand, go here. Free at last. Let freedom ring. We're getting rid of him. And he's like nobody. He thinks he actually did from his father, his father, his father, his father. He's a tiny little jelly. He has no mohos, nothing, no personality. What, I'm telling you, one punch of my fist, he's done. 
these are little stickled jelly. So what do they do? They drill a hole into the skull. They hop on the dictator, yeah? And they throw him into the garbage. We're free. You know what happens? Completely free. Yiskadalvi, <laughs> Yiskadash, the whole body you could call the Hevra Kaddish. Shoyta. The brain is not the dictator. Your brain is not your dictator. Your brain is your life. So what do you mean? He's controlling me. The mistake is, you think you're separate. The brain is the organism. The whole body is an extension of the brain. There's no two separate metzias. The body, the brain has what's called a central nervous system. The identity of every limb and organ in the body is an expression of the brain. The brain is not here to dictate the body. The brain is the body. The body is the brain. It's all one. There's just two voices. It's all one. Hopefully not even two voices. Okay, two voices or something else. It could be in the brain, a lot of voices. But that's already a whole other issue. In the brain there's many voices. I'm talking about the relationship of the body and the brain. So now you'll say, I want to be free. So therefore I want to separate from the brain. It's the other way around. By aligning yourself, when there's a separation between the brain and the body, we know what that is. It's called paralysis. Stroke, it's a terrible illness. It's the end of a person's life when there's a complete separation. A partial separation, it's a horrible situation. When you're completely aligned with your brain, you're completely aligned with yourself. You are a manifestation of the brain. In other words, the brain is the life of the body. When the brain tells the body to do something, it's not the brain telling the body somebody else to do something. The brain is wants and is allowing the body to be. The brain tells the body how to grow, how to function, what to do, how to protect itself, what not to do, and so forth. But for this, you have to understand that there's complete unity between them. If you don't understand that, then of course the brain is a dictator. So now the question is, what's bitle? If you understand the lakus, godliness as being God is in heaven and he's some type of dictator and he sits on his throne and he says, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Then the miracle will say, what do you need it for? Stay away from the fire, it's going to eat you up. But what happens if the truth is that your Metzius is Elikos, your Metzius is Kedusha, your whole reality is divinity, then the more bitter, the more oxygen. Real bittel means alignment. You align yourself with your true self. When you align yourself with your true self, you become more intact. You become more of a person. You become more alive. You become more expressed. Your whole depth comes out. Where does the fire destroy? When you have a shell. If I have a clip, I have a shell, a husk, that's not me. It covers me. So the problem is, I can't access me because I have a clipper. Then I need a fire to burn off the clipper, the shell, the husk, in order to be able to have me. So now let's give a dogma in a person's life. A person is having some serious challenges in their life. They come, they want help. You speak to them, but you see something. What do you see? You see that there's a tragedy here. Tragedy here is the person defined themselves in a certain way. And based on how they define themselves, they live in a position in which they're very, very stuck. I'll give one example, a very simple and very common example. There are people who cannot be vulnerable. Cannot be vulnerable means they don't feel they could speak the truth of what they're feeling. 
because it's too ugly. It's too embarrassing for them. It's too shameful. Anybody in this room? They can't do it. They can't spill the beans. They have to show a certain image to themselves, not only to other, but to other people for sure, but even to themselves. But that causes tremendous pain because if they don't break down, if they don't break down the truth, nothing can happen. They're living in a, in a, behind a glass wall and they could never come out and they have to maintain that wall at all costs because they feel without that they won't be able to survive. They probably did this a very long time ago. Huh? Yeah, and they can't. They can't, they're, they're not in touch. They can't be in touch. And it, but they, they they know it on some level, and that's why it causes so much pain. There's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of upsetness there. There's a lot of sadness there. There's a lot of grief. But they sometimes live their whole life in that shrap, in that box, and they'll never go out. And things annoy them terribly, but they can't even figure out what's really happening because they're completely not in touch with themselves. This is based on the fact that they have an image of themselves that is completely not connected to who they are. They built a substitute self and they live that story. They're not living their own story. You ever go to a wax museum? They have in Britain and other places wax museums where they have people. They mamish look alive. They have a full stature of wax of the person. And uh, there's only one problem. It's wax. It's not real. I knew somebody, Aruchni is the Kiyid, and he smoked a lot. Yeah, and somebody once took him to a wax museum. And the Churchill is holding a, holding a cigar. So he goes over, he says, The house fire? Do you have fire? He wanted to light his, uh, he wanted to light his cigarette. Because he looked alive. He was, it was hard for him to be mafchen. Some people, they look at themselves in the mirror. There's a whole person there, but it's all wax. Where is the real person? Somewhere, somewhere, deep, 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 hidden away. And they got married that way. The wax person gets married. The wax person has children. Everything, it's wax. The wax person is, is good. Huh? The wax person does tries to have shalom bias, goes to therapy, learns, davens, thinks he's connected, but there's no he. It's all wax. He has pain because he's not really wax. If he would be really wax, it would be good. <laughs> wax people don't suffer. Problem is, he's not really wax. If he could make, if he could make himself completely wax, it's much easier and it's cheaper also. Yeah. Which part of you is asking a question? <laughs> Okay. The truth, because the body is really also divine. The body is also godly. The body is also divine. In many ways, the body is more godly than the soul. The goof has a shodesh and a lakus that's even deeper than the neshama. But I don't want to 
Chilas Dekanals because we it's it's an important idea to address, but it's not for right now. But thank you for bringing it up. So this person lives there, and it's all because they were forced to make a story about themselves. They cannot deal with who they are. For whatever reason, it's too much pain, it's too much grief. Probably they think that if that person comes out, the whole world will hate them, will shoot them, and they will drop dead. And they want to live. At least a wax, as a wax person, I could live. Now you know how much energy you have to invest in maintaining that personality? Do you know how much? Do you know how much koiches? You know that's why Jews are geniuses. <laughs> you know how much genius and creativity you need to survive? And not only that, you also want to have his iris. You don't want to tell yourself that you're not inspired. You want to tell yourself. So now you need that the wax person should also get inspired. That's a whole new chiddush. So now you have to manipulate the situation that you're feeling. You're feeling Isaiah also, but that's also part of the wax. So now you understand the pain of what people go through. It's very, very profound. What do you do? Where do you begin? Where do you begin? Here, the Aish has to get rid of the clipper. If you don't get rid of the shell, if you don't get rid of it, there's nobody to talk to. Here I can't say, you and the fire are one. You're not there yet. You're, you're a complete clipper, a complete horse. You have to get rid of the shell. The person has to be able to see it's all a shell and throw it away. Burn it up. Now, when you come, there's a person, what's going to happen? Now the bittle won't destroy the person. Now the bittle, the dvekas with Hashem will allow the person actually to be. And not only to be, but to be fully. For says to be fully to be more than they even imagine they are. Because you imagine yourself to be small, to be limited. And here you become actually a chelik, a leikah, you revealed as part of infinity. So it's tachlis shleimus mitzyusei. Anything in life that you cherish becomes actualized in a much more powerful way. Any skill that's worth holding on to, any dimension of you that is true through a lekus, will become accentuated, it will become magnified, it will become actualized in the profoundest way possible. It won't be destroyed. That which doesn't really make up you, that you want to get destroyed, because it's, it's, it's wax. That which is you, that which really belongs to you, that which you own, that bitl never destroys. What it does is, it allows it to reach its ultimate potential, to reach its ultimate crescendo. It's a whole different, a whole different concept. Ah, huh? yes, the melts the wax. The shells are created based on uh, on things on things that happened. Yes, the things that happened are always true. What we make of ourselves as a result of that has to do with our own interpretation of those facts and those stories. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody comes over to a person and says, if somebody comes over to me, yeah, after the Shia today, and says, today you struck out. Sometimes you do well, but today you were really, 
you put me to sleep. Right? That's a fact. What do I do with that information? One reaction could be, oh, I wish I could have slept by the shear. <laughs> I'm glad you got sleep. I would have liked to slept by the That would have been one reaction. Another reaction would be, uh, okay, uh, maybe he's right, man. It's, it's good to think about. You know, was it good? Was it not so good? Did I strike out? The... A third reaction would be, I'm never teaching again in my life. I'm never opening up my stupid mouth. Why do I come here? A fourth reaction would be, this guy is a low life, an idiot, a shoita, a feld, a peda, odom, azach, a feld, shebefeld, shebefeld. You see the last two reactions, what are happening? The facts are the same. He said what he said. But the interpretation by the person who heard it, completely different. One is okay, he said what he said. You went to sleep, fine, you're lucky. Or you know what? Maybe it's maybe it's interesting. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. I should fine. If I could correct something, I should correct. But then there's a whole different mahalach. He certainly life. made me question my whole identity. Am I alive? Am I not? So either I kill him, <laughs> the biggest anti-Semite who ever existed, right? Or I or I instead of killing him, I kill myself. One of the two. But somebody has to die in the process. What happened? You understand? The facts are the same facts. What the facts do to you is a whole different thing. So people experience certain things in childhood. As a result of that, they develop a whole picture. A whole picture, who they are, who they're not, who the other people are. And you don't question that when you're older. That's a given, and you just live your life that way. You have nothing to do. So your whole identity may be molded by certain stories into a self that is just your concept of self, nothing to do with yourself. And we think everybody thinks the same way. Of course, everybody. And we react to everybody as though they think that way. We, In fact, we don't even hear what anybody ever says. All we hear them saying is, our own story, what fits that story, because anything that doesn't fit into it, I don't register. So all I hear is that which fits into that, because that's MS. I don't even hear anything else. And if I hear something else, I say... Wow, this guy's really evil. <laughs> he mummish probably has such plans. He's not even showing his true color. <laughs> Completely in a prison. And then you get married, and all you hear your wife Back saying, huh? Back to Shalom Bayez. All you hear your wife saying is that which fits into that story, or all you hear your husband saying. I don't want to discriminate against men. Works both ways, right? You don't even hear anything else. And as I gate and gate and gate and. Now, imagine somebody speaks to you about Bittel now. <laughs> what do you hear? <laughs> what do you hear? You hear what you always heard. Oh, I'm nothing. I always knew I'm nothing. He agrees that I'm nothing. God for sure agrees that I'm nothing, right? And that's it. I'm a chaya, wonderful. But it causes you a lot of pain, right? In the Lushan of one of our dear members of this shir, he said, it's the Shulchan Aruch, which is the cause of the trauma. Just the word Shulchan Aruch. The word Shulchan Aruch is the trauma. You don't need anything. Doesn't even, you don't even have to say what it says. When the guy got up at the Bime, the Rav, or the Magadshir, whatever, and he said, Shulchan Aruch. He didn't have to go further. But you knew trauma is coming. Because the next paragraph would not be 
Ta'alacha and Shulchan love yourself. He knew that's not coming. Embrace yourself. Be a happy person. God loves you. Live life to the fullest. He knew it's going to be something else that he's doing wrong and he's going to be in Gehenna for many years over a new one. So I was like, okay, next level of Gehenna. Come on. Just let me have it. And he wonders, why weren't we just born into Gehenna? What do we have to live and die? Just create me in Gehenna. I'm a Chaya. What do I have to live my whole life that I'm going there? Just go there. There's such a pchin, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. Right? Then they come to a shir and somebody says, this is not true. It's not Judaism. They say, this must be apikursus. Here we go again. How can it not be? My whole life, this is who I am. This is my trauma. Suddenly there's something else. Something is off. Something is off. Right? So here you see... Here you see, as somebody once told me, I said once at a shir, that the translation of Bittal is not self-nullification. The translation of Bittal is alignment of yourself with your true self. So he said, of course, that's apikursus. So this person who said it to me, here you have a Maimon Lekutatayra. The Balatanya knew very well what a Frumayid is and what Shulchan Aruch is. He wrote Shulchan Aruch. And he knew what Allah is, and he knew what Hidr Mitzvah is, and he knew what Ganeidin is, he knew what Gehenim is. And he says, hey, Apsagdin, that if you say Bittal is Mechala, it destroys its Chas V'Shalom. What you have to hear in Bittal is that it's Tachlis Shleimus Mitziusa. If not, he wasn't Teufus what Bittal is. He was, Pavjah was not Teufus Bittal. In other words, whenever you hear a word Bittal, you hear a word God, you hear a word Kabbalah Salmal Chashamayim, you hear a Sifrin Shulchan Aruch, you hear a Mishnah Brura. You hear a Shari Tshuva. You hear a Reishis Chochma, Mesilis Yisharim, Anarchis Sadikim, Arabeinu Yoyna, Anefesh Achayim, Anoyim Elimelch, Akdishas Laivi, Abar Mayim Chayim, Amor Veshemesh, Navoides Yisrael, Ayismach Moshe. Right? What's that? Whatever, Magad Vorev Liyakov. And what you're hearing, what you're hearing is, self, self-obliteration, you're not hearing, or the person is not saying, you're not hearing Torah, you're hearing something else, you're hearing a distortion. <coughs> if you're hearing words that allow you to fly, to soar, to dance, to feel that your true reality is being expressed in the powerful, most powerful way, now you know you're hearing Bittal, you're hearing Elikus. If you're hearing Eish, Hashem is telling Moshe, there's going to be a lot of people. There'll be a lot of Darshunim, there'll be a lot of teachers of Klai Yisrael who will be fiery. But let me tell you the cloud. If the fire destroys, it has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you. If it's my fire, nobody gets eaten up. If people feel they go away and they feel less, it wasn't my fire. It was another fire. It was another fire. Nothing to do with me. If it's my fire, people don't get destroyed in my fire. People are born in my fire. They come to life. They're resurrected in my fire. 
they come back to life in my fire. It's a whole different experience. Like a singer. A great singer, he... What does it mean, right? Okay. For us nicht. For us nicht. What is the difference? For us nicht. It's the same. It's the same words. What is the difference? So you accept it. Yeah. What, is the, what he wants to tell you. Yeah, you you're asking a good question. It's the same words. The same words. Yeah, it's the same words. But it's min hakatzel Sometimes a person could say to somebody, "I love you," and what he hears is "Vas vilafemir." What's her agenda? What's the agenda? What's next? You understand? Same words. And then another person melts. And then he gets abused. And then he gets abused, That's why you can't melt. That's why you can't melt. I'm going to get abused. And we know who the biggest abuser in Judaism is. We're not going to say his name. But his name is mentioned too often. <laughs> so imagine. <laughs> and then the biggest abuse is He enslaves my whole life, subjugates everything. And if not, you're actually going to burn. Worse than abusing somebody is telling somebody you have to love the abuser. You know that, right? That's the worst. You have to respect me, fear me, love me. So if we don't heal from these definitions, it becomes very, very painful and traumatic. What's oi? What's oi? So that's a different ash. The ash of the snare, it's fiery. It's a brand. It's powerful. There's passion. Sometimes there's no passion. But ain't it okay? Ah? We're page ninety, daf mem hey amad gimel. On the top it says shlach. We're middle of the page. The line starts Hasna Einenu Ukal. In the middle of the page you see Vahasna Einenu Ukal. Mamasha middle. This line starts Vahasna Einenu Ukal. 
as we discussed, we started, we learned this line yesterday. So, So we have in summation the debate between the Miraglim and the truth. The Miraglim, Tainid, and their claim was that Eretz Yisrael, the land of the Jewish people, which means the land of Yiddishkeit, the land of Torah, the land where the vision of Judaism ought to be realized and expressed in the most profound sense, which is what Eretz Yisrael is. It's not just a land where Jews live. It's a land that is Jewish. Not every nation has a land, so Eretz Yisrael happens to be the Jewish homeland. That's not the Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael means the land is Yisraelic. The land is a Jewish land. We see in Parshas B'chukosai, The land should not spit you out. It shouldn't vomit you when you contaminate it. In other words... The land is a sensitive land. As Rashi brings there from the Teichicha, that the Psura Teiva is that when you won't live there, the land will be desolate. That's the Psura Teiva. That if Jews are exiled from Eretz Yisrael, it will not blossom. In Taki, you see through Jewish history that many, many empires and regimes and governments tried to settle Eretz Yisrael, but never successfully. It ultimately remained a barren desert. And throughout all of history, the Jews managed to make the desert bloom and blossom. The Svasemis says on the Pasuk, Bilam says in two weeks, in next week's parasha, from the top of the mountains I see him. So he teaches, Tzurim are the mountains of Eretz Yisrael. When I look at the top of the mountains of Eretz Yisrael, I see the Jew. When you look at the topography, when you look at the soil of Eretz Yisrael, you could see the imprint of Neshama Yisrael there. When you look at the land, the mountains of Eretz Yisrael, you could see Erenu. You could see Klal Yisrael there. In other words, there is an organic connection between the land and the people. So when the Miraglim say, Eretz Yisrael, I'm not just talking about a land. This land, which represents the ultimate realization of Jewish life, it's Eichel Yisrael. It destroys its inhabitants. It looks to destroy its inhabitants. Why? Because the Tainus Hamiraglum is that the whole vision of Judaism is destruction of self, annihilation of self, nullification of self, or in the word that's being used in this Maimer, Nahir Tichla, Tchelas, Oicheles Yeshvah, Bittel, the fire, Hashem Alekecha, Eish Oichla. He is, you put something in fire and it dies in the fire. You can't remain intact. There's nothing left of you. If you want to remain intact, stay away from the fire. If you want to get lost, if you want to dissolve into nothingness, if you want to fade away into oblivion, if you want to disintegrate and decompose, go into the fire.
Religion is the great destroyer of self, of individuality. This is the view of the Miragam of the spies. Right? That's what we explain. And the Balatanyas calls them Shakranim. They were liars. They were Bali Loshan Hara. This was a Loshan Hara Baraitz Yisrael. Why? As he brings at length from the Zoya Parshas Baraitz that it's really the other way around. That the definition of Bittal is not is not Kiloyoin. It's not the consumption, the destruction of self. Chas V'Shalom. On the contrary, what is it? It's Tachlis Shleimus Mitziusai. Bittal does not destroy the soul, chas v'shalom, heaven forbid. On the contrary, it represents the ultimate realization of the self. The soul reaches its ultimate self-actualization and self-expression through this process we call bittal, through going into this flame. The klipa, the shells over the person, the husks that cover up the truth of the person, the identity of the person, that taka the fire removes, that the fire has to destroy. Because as long as the clip is not destroyed, then the person is not in touch with himself. So sometimes you need a fire to get rid of all the layers upon layers, all the cover-ups that block your true self. Once you're in touch with your true identity, with your true self, not only does the fire not destroy him, on the contrary... It brings out the deepest core of the self. You would think dveikus in fire when you cleave to fire. That's the end of you. The dveikus creates chayim. The dveikus creates more life. That's the important distinction that he makes. Where do you see this in Yiddishkeit? He says the first vision, the first vision of Moshe Rabbeinu, which was the vision of the snare. You're on fire, but the bush is not being consumed. So there's a lot of different Muslim. What was the message of this vision? And the message that he brings out in this Maimer, incredible interpretation, incredible idea, that the first vision to the first Manag Yisrael, the one who was going to turn them into a nation and give them Torah, and turn them into a Mamleches Koyanim V'goy Kaddish, a holy nation, a divine nation, the Am Hashem of Amim, the first prerequisite for the whole Shlichus and the whole mission and the whole revelation was what? That Hasne Boya Baesh, Vaisne Nanuoko. Eishel Mailos, Soyrefes, Veinoichelos. If it's a godly fire, it burns. What's Pshat? It burns. It ignites passion and love, as he's going to say, but Veinoichelos. It doesn't eat you up, it doesn't destroy you. It doesn't turn you into a piece of nothingness. And if it's a fire that does eat you up, if it's a fire that does destroy you, it means it's not a godly fire. It's not a heavenly fire. Ah. So you're asking a good question. What about the term Kabbalah's oil Malchus Shemayim? Accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. L'cha'ira, by definition, a yoke uh, crushes a person, controls a person. You put the yoke on the person and you say, you're in this yoke. So L'cha'ira, that's Mamesh HaStirat, everything he's saying here. Where's that Tachlis or Shleimus Mitzvah That's a very good question. What do you say? You can carry the torch doing that. 
You can carry the torch doing that. Yeah. The answer to that is I'll give an example. I'll be clearer. If somebody see an interesting distinction prisoners have people who run the prison they're called prison wardens and they're tough they're usually very tough and if you don't behave they could put you in solitary confinement they can punish you penalize you lock you up here lock you up there When you finally come out of prison, when it comes out of Rosh Hashanah, you don't call up the prison warden and say, by the way, I'll always remember you, you send them, when you go on vacation, you send them a postcard and say, I'm thinking about you and how much you impacted my life. You leave that place and you try to press delete forever. You'll see an interesting Matthias. A young man goes to the army. He goes to the army and he has a commander in his platoon. And the commander whips him into shape of an Ishtam. If he wakes up late, he has to do 300 push-ups. And if he jogs a little slower than everybody else in the 23 miles, so he has to stay up at night and do, uh, <laughs> and do chin-ups. Oh, does he whip him into shape. And if he wakes up 10 minutes late after 5 o'clock a.m. for the morning exercise, he has to do 900 push-ups. And he really beats him into shape. And then when he leaves the, the, the army years later, he always remembers that commander. And when he sees him, he gives him a hug. And before the Shoshana, he calls him up to wish him a good year. What's the difference? The difference is, we all understand the difference. Both treated the people under them with toughness. They didn't let them get away with anything. The function of the prison warden was to destroy the prisoner. He wants to make you feel like a piece of garbage. You're a number, you're not a person. That's why they call, identify you by numbers. You're not even a person. You don't even have the dignity of having a name. In prison, you're a number. That's all you are. And everybody has a number. You and him are exactly the same. There's no individuality. In the army, the function of the commander was he wanted to turn you into an exceptional soldier. And you know that. You become a mensch. You become disciplined. You become powerful. You become courageous. He wanted to destroy your fear, your laziness, your insecurity. And you know it. Did he put a yoke on you? Of course he put a yoke on you. Was that yoke there to crush you? Or was that yoke there to maximize you? A good personal trainer, you have two types of personal trainers. One guy says, oh, you're not in the mood of it? Okay, forget it, don't do it. You want to finish 10 minutes early? That's not a good personal trainer. A good personal trainer, they're schwitzed. And you're cursing him out, Bashas Meister. 
You're like the worst thing that ever happened to me, but you pay him. And then you go back to him again. Why? Because you know what he's fighting is, he's fighting your clipper. He's not destroying you. He's destroying your fear. He's destroying your resistance. You understand? He's destroying your shells. He wants to bring out your true capability. I'm talking about a true trainer. Some trainers don't know what they're doing. They're just, you know, just looks good. It just has to look good. But we're talking about a real, a real trainer. Let's now understand this practically in a person's life. Let's say you have a trainer who's been training you for 20 years. Under him you lost 120 pounds. You lost 120 pounds with him. He turned you into a mensch, healthy, your cholesterol went down, your sugar count went down, your adrenaline is up, you're an energetic person. And this was a week in, week out, or day in, day out. After 20 years, one morning you come for your session and he tells you to do an exercise. The exercise seems very strange. You have to turn your head in a particular direction three and a half thousand times. Whatever it is, okay, he tells you. Would, and he tells you, this is the way it is. You say, why? He says, just do it. A normal person who has been by this guy 20 years and he turned him into a healthy human being, he'll listen to him. I, he may not understand why. Okay. He knows this guy is an expert and he trusts him. That's more important. First of all, he knows he's an expert. Number two, he trusts him. He doesn't. Ah, he's not in the mood of doing it. He doesn't want to do it. He thinks it's ridiculous. Okay, but he trusts him. A doctor, you go into your doctor, your doctor's been your doctor for 29 years, you and your wife and your whole family and your mother and your father. 30 years he's a family doctor. And you have an infection. And he gives you a prescription. And you go to the you go to the pharmacy and you pick up the prescription and you start taking it and it's horrible. It's horrible. Are you still going to take it? You call the doctor. You say, "What are you doing?" And this prescription. Could you explain to me how this is going to help my infection? The doctor says, "If you want to understand, you can go to medical school for twelve years. The problem is, if you wait twelve years, this infection will spread and you're going to die. So I suggest first take the medicine and then go to medical school and figure it out." You know, they used to say why you can't read doctor's prescriptions, why they're never eligible. Because basically he's writing to the pharmacy, I made my money, now you make your money. But the truth is, even though I can't read his prescription, he's my doctor for 30 years, he did me well, he was there for me and my kids and my parents and my siblings, and he knows what he's doing, I cannot crank, I trust him. What happens if I'm walking in the street, and a person comes over to me and says... I need you right now to turn your head in a certain direction three and a half thousand times. Right? Or he gives you a prescription. He says, go, take this medicine. It's very important. You say, who are you? You say, don't ask these questions. Kabbalah so. Kabbalah so. You listen to me. Or get down right here in the middle of the street. I want to whip you. You say, why? Who? What? What? Kabbalah so. If you do it, then you're crazy. So why? The doctor gave you a prescription. You listen to him. The personal trainer said to do it, you listen to him. This person in the street tells you to do the same thing, you don't... The answer is very simple. The answer is very It's a difference between the prison and the commander-in-chief. Here it's a person I know. He's my trainer. He loves me. He cherishes me. He cares for me. He's helped me. He's been here for me. He now tells me to do something. I may understand why, I may not. So what? So I don't understand why. 
I may be in the mood, I may not be in the mood. I may like it, I may not like it. The medicine may be geschmack, it may not be geschmack. Turning my head in this direction three and a half thousand times may feel good, it may feel boring. But I know this person, and I know that he's out for one agenda. He has one agenda, and that is, I should be able to live a good life. So I'm going to listen to him. Sometimes I have to challenge myself. Sometimes I may not understand exactly what's the purpose of it. Sometimes I'm not in the mood of it. But if I don't do it, I'm actually being quite foolish. You get what I'm saying? Kabbalah's oil has two words after it. Kabbalah's oil, malchus shamayik. Kabbalah's oil doesn't mean I take a washing machine, I put it on your shoulders, and I say, gay, walk. You say, for how long? I say, for the next 48 years. And Chodesh Elul, we put on a second one. Rosh Hashanah, Sarasim Yom Kippur, we put a third one. And you say, what's this? I say, Kabbalah's oil. And you say, okay. So you carry washing machines on you. Then you're a fool. You're a fool. Kabbalah's oil, Malchus Shemayim. A whole different experience. There are yokes that destroy you and there are yokes that express you. There are yokes that crush you and there are yokes that actualize you. There was a poet who once said a beautiful, beautiful line. He said, take a violin. I once shared a story about this in one of the basics of Amunah classes, but the insight is simple but beautiful. Take a violin. Anybody here plays violin or guitar or cello or the harp? You play violin? Take violin, a violin, and the, you'll see the chords of the violin are tied down. Emma's Lenny? Yes, sir. The chords of the violin. <laughs> what were you thinking about? I'm just wondering. I don't know. <laughs> supper. <laughs> you already thinking about supper? 7.27 a.m. <laughs> The chords of a violin are tied down. MS, they're tied down. Huh? The strings, the strings of a violin are tied. A person looks at the strings and says, we know that Darizal says that even in Doimim there's a Nefesh, and even in the string you have billions and trillions of atoms. Why do they have to be tied down? Let me take a knife or scissor and cut the strings and set them free. And the strings will declare free at last, free at last, let freedom ring. Why abuse strings and hold them tied down? Let them go free. The problem is you can try to do it. And the strings will be free. They will not be chained or tied down. And you'll take them outside. And if there's a beautiful breeze outside, the strings will start swaying and dancing and celebrating with ecstasy their new liberation and freedom. The only challenge is, this violin will not produce any music. Music from this violin will not come. The violin <laughs> will turn into a dead tzatzke, a shmata that you could put in the dustbin, and it's worthless. Why is it worthless? It's a piece of wood with a few strings. Like the marshal I said, you take the brain out, because you don't want to have a dictator... So what do you do? You have a whole body. But you know what the body is worth? A shtick flesh. You could sell it to a cannibal to eat. That's what the body is worth. 
with a brain, it's not a shtick flesh, it's an organism. It's a balchai. You get rid of the brain, you have everything there, but there's nothing alive. You cut the cords, they're all free, but there's no music. Take a life, take any life in the world. A life is a violin. We once learned from the Magid. Rabbi Huda Levi says, A person is a violin, a person is a harp. If the chords, if the strings are not tied down, there won't be any music. What does this mean? If a person, everything goes by a person. Nothing is tied down. There's nothing that's off limits for him. Whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want, how I want, there's nothing tied down. It seems beautiful, it seems promising. The strings are flying all over the place. My music won't come out. I could become a whole new slave to my own worst instincts. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm a free person, but there's no music. For music to come down, for music to come out, you need chords tied down. Every person knows this in life. Whatever field you're in and any type of success you're in, whether it's in the world of business, in the world of academia, certainly in the world of Ruchinius, the world of Torah, there's no music that comes out if there's no discipline in life. If I eat whatever I see, right? My strings are not tied down. I never say myself no. But my music won't come out. I'll become heavy, I'll become lethargic, I'll become stuffed, I'll become sick, etc. And the same is true with any other any other field in life. So is this discipline, does it crush the violin? Or it brings out the violin? The violin, instead of being a, a, a piece of garbage, a piece of wood, is now a beautiful violin. Never mind if it's a Stradivarius which can go for $10 million, right? <laughs> a Stradivarius violin. Suddenly, you tie down the cords and it turns into a $15 million shtick oitzer. Uh, uh, Without it, it's a shmata. It's like a shtick flesh. Mamash a shtick flesh. That's the difference. Kabbalah's el malchus shamayim is a bitl. But it's a bit that brings out the Metzius, not crushes the Metzius. Eutyphus? Seems like everybody has a different uh, tolerance for discipline. Some people, True. same discipline for one person right. will crush him, and another guy will try. It has to be tuned. <laughs> you have to tune the violin, of course. Kol chad from shura delay, of course. The Mishnah Gemara Menachas. Some people is vagisa bayoyimam v'layla day and night, and another person is perik echad shachris, perik echad arvis. One chapter in the morning, one chapter in the evening, and that's mitzvah talmud for him. The famous sugya Menachas. Seems like society is always pushing us to do more and more. When when do you know you're adding okay. temper yourself? So you have to have a good mentor and a good friend, and uh, and uh, be honest with yourself and so forth. For what's crashed, too much. I'm putting too much pressure on you. I'm trying to take off some of the guilt and the pressure. They want to crush you. That's the point. I have a 
on one level destroyed them but it, it gave them it, it built them up and it creates such a camaraderie between soldiers that lasts a lifetime and it's not easy and the objective has to be to turn that person into a real soldier if the objective is to destroy the person then you're lost and I'm sure there are those who do that too but that's the objective of course of course I'm sure as we know as some of us know I'm not trying to romanticize here boot camps some boot camps are very destructive places some parents send children to boot camps teenagers to boot camps it's a ludicrous decision sometimes it's helpful sometimes it's very destructive I'm trying to bring out a point that sometimes you challenge people very profoundly you turn them into greats not into midgets moral midgets so I guess the thing is to, uh, for a parent to educate the child that he understands things for his own good of course. Of course. Huh? I'll be done. Not necessarily But even for people that that it works, you have to know how to present it. How it's presented is very important. Is it presented as a, as a privilege? Is it presented as something that is is really here to bring out the best in you? It's coming out of absolute love and caring, or or it's it's I, I couldn't care less about you. I just couldn't care less about you. You don't exist. I don't know what you mean it works. I, I don't know. Listen, generally by this Shia, we don't speak about individual people, we speak about ideas. And everybody has to apply the ideas to their lives. To get into this community and that community and this Rebbe and that Rebbe, and everyone has a lot of opinions and perspectives and emotions run high in this room when it comes to Rebbe's and Kehillah's and Chassidim and Tishim and this. But we try to focus on ideas and everybody could see how these ideas of Torah, in other words, of Chassidus, of the Balshamtev, of the Alter Rebbe, and everybody can see how these ideas apply, how it works with all those people. I don't know. Every person is a whole universe, you know. Some people may be thriving, and some people may be very frustrated, and some people may feel very enslaved, but they're worried for their children's shidduchim. And some people may feel that this is my ayin elam haba. And some people may just be so tortured, they don't even know what torture is. I'm sure there's so many different types of people and categories of people. For us, if we have children in that school, but you're right, you're right. 
You're right, and the, you have to know. You're, you're right. If you have kids in those schools, you have to be very in any schools, not only in those schools. <laughs> any schools? You think you think other schools are just uh, uh, paradise uh, place? Every school you have to identify what the school does for your child, and what do you, how your child is doing in the school. And you know, some places are not for certain children. There's no question, and you have to take your children out of that school and put them in different places because they're not doing well. For whatever reason, it could be biological, it could be chemical, it could be social, it could be the people who are staffing in that school. And the worst thing is to make a decision not based on the benefit of the child, but based on what the community is going to think about you. I mean, that's where I think many disasters happen when we start making decisions not based on the child's needs or based on what's right based on what's principled, based on what's going to do well for this child to become a diamond, but everything is based on externalities and impressions and outer pressure, I think that's that could be challenging. It always starts with yourself, of course. It's, it's, it starts with yourself, yeah. I, th- I think what he, was, what he was trying to say, to me, it sounded like if you have any kind of yeshiva or any kind of community where it's 90% success rate, so they're doing something right. And you're always going to have some kind of collateral damage or fallout or in in any paradigm of religion or education. You want to answer him? Where is 90%? That's what he was saying. He was saying 10%. That was his example. 90% will be good. So it's worth it. So people but the parent. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know these num. I don't know the accuracy of these numbers, ninety and ten. But first of all, even if that's the case, the parents of the ten percent have to take care of these kids. You don't say ten percent. Let them go, Lazazel. We don't. Nefesh achas Yisrael is oilam mole. There's no... Uh, Stalin once said, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. <laughs> yeah, that's how Stalin uh, thought, you understand? The moment we become statistics... What's the word? Statistics. Statisticians, then we become dangerous people. It's not a religion of statistics. It doesn't work that way. Egla Rufa means that the whole Eretz Yisrael went crazy because one man died. The Sanhedrin Gdoila had to come down with, with, with measuring sticks, with measuring yarn, start measuring. The top people, imagine there's a, there's a homicide somewhere in Bedford-Stuyvesant or some, for hack the place, and, and, and Donald Trump and the whole White House, okay, for am past, but everybody has to come down and start measuring, and this, uh, this is where you have a local police department, but Egla Rufa... We're not a religion of statistics. Of course, it's important the majority, but every yachid has to be accounted for. That's even if that's true. Exactly 90, 10, I don't know. Again, I'm sure there's a lot of ways of looking at it, a lot of perspectives, a lot of things that work for different people. They the goal for success is a different success. 
you're trying to make yourself feel more comfortable that you're not revolting. Huh? What? Yeah, let's see inside. Let's see a few lines inside. So Mikan Amru Aisha Lamaila Sayref is Vaina Echel. So Vahainu could the Pidish Shamit says in Medrash, the Snehainu Yisrael. The Sneh is a metaphor for the Jewish people. They're not going to be destroyed in the process. The chain mashma begemodes soif pedig vav de Shabbos Shabbos samach zayin hasne hasne chuli mishum de meiches mikol iloni. The sne was chosen because it's more humble than all the trees. It's a humble bush. Vahaynu al derech ki atem hamaat mikol aamim shemashpilim esatzum al derech vanoichi of veefer. Here too, from the Gemara in Shabbos, it seems like it's a metaphor for the Jewish people who are called Atam Ma'at. Ma'at doesn't only mean you're the smallest of nations in, in terms of numbers. It also means in quality. They humble themselves. Avram said, from earth and ashes Again, the Sna applies to the Jews. Different Maram is to bring out that the snare represents the Jewish people. The Mela, the next line, Valkane, thus, Afalpisha, Eish, Sirefus, Asasnat. Even though the fire of Hashem burns the snare, what does this mean? Hainu. Sheyum Shachrish, Pei, Eisha, Avabin, Hashem, Sisrael. That the glow of love, the fire of love, will come into the Jewish souls. Viliyoiz, Bitulayesh. So that the yesh will become bottle im kolze enoi cheles umechaloisum emitziusum chas mishalom. This love, this fire, which consumes neshama Yisrael and creates bittul yesh, as we explained before, that the concept of tcheles nahirat tichla oichla is to eat up the the the, the wick the psila, but it doesn't destroy their reality. Heaven forbid. Kim aderabe zezeha bittulu iker hachios. It's the other way around. This bitl ayesh becomes the primary source of life. Through bitl, you ash become alive. 
why through Bittal you become alive? Because it's who you really are. To give an example of this, somebody once asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said, wie filter sich? In Yiddish there's an expression, wie filter sich? In English, if you translate it, it's how do you feel yourself, right? But in Yiddish, wie filter sich? How are you feeling? So the Rebbe said to him, he says, the schwer hat gesagt, my father-in-law said, am filt sich, the is gut. If you feel self, it's already not good. And he explained. He says, you see by a body, how do you know that a body is a healthy body? When you feel it or you don't feel it? When you don't feel anything. And after a great workout, when you're feeling great, what does your body feel like? Nothing. You don't feel it. It's like light. It's like almost non-existent. You would think it should be the other way around. When it's healthy, you feel it, Right? When somebody is healthy, you feel them, you see them, you hear them. What happens if I'm feeling my pinky? What does it mean? What's happening with my pinky? It's an infection. Or I got, I got hurt. It got burnt. I feel it. What happens when you feel your head? It means you have a, he- a headache. What happens when you feel your body? You're heavy, you're tired, you're lethargic. You feel your foot because there's something wrong. It should be the other way. When it's healthy, you feel it. When it's not healthy, you don't feel it. The answer to this, the Rebbe said is this, explain to him. A healthy body means a body that is one with its energy. It's one with its soul. It's a conduit for its energy. The body becomes a levush, a keli, a vessel for the chiyus of the neshama. That's what a healthy body means. A healthy body means a goof that the whole body is just a conduit for the soul. The body is the sinner, the channel through which the soul manifests its energy. Therefore, a healthy body is a body that's one with the soul to the point that you don't feel it. Because the whole it is just an expression of the soul. What is illness? Illness means that there's an interruption between the neshama and the guf. Because there's an interruption between the two, suddenly you start feeling the body. The fact that you feel the body is this It's bad news. And when a person is really sick, they feel the body a lot. Because now the body is actually interrupted. It's disconnected from its source. That's pshat. Bittul is ikir hachayis. The less you feel the body, the more it's alive, not the less it's alive. This is true physically, biologically. So he said, We filt ir zich. He says, It's much better if you don't feel. You don't feel, you're good. What do they say? Uh, no news is good news, right? If there's news, no news is good news in the body too. In Ruchnis, it's also this way. The real chiyos comes from Bittal. Real, when, you, when are you really alive? When you're one with yourself. What is your true self? Hashem. So when you're completely one with you, you don't feel yourself. Because you're a conduit for your true self, which is the source, which is the divine. When you start feeling yourself, it's because you're separated, you're detached. So the more bittal, the more chiyos. The more bittal, the more life, the more self. What do you mean? The more self? It's more bittal. Because the true self is selfless. The true self is the source. You'll see, the more a person is self-conscious, the less they're alive. You know what I mean? The more you walk into a room, let's say you walk in here, right? And everyone looks, who came? Kaminik by Yidin, when there's a shir, any interruption people could put their eyes on, they put their eyes on, right? 
person walks in, everybody looks at him. Yeah? Somebody brings in something, anything happens, yeah? Everybody looks. Because, you know, for whatever reason, we're not going to analyze it at the moment. A person who's self-conscious, they never experience life because they're always asking themselves, where am I in the picture? You can't be anywhere because you're always absorbed with, am I this, am I that, am I that? You begin to become alive when you can get above yourself, beyond yourself. When yourself could become in tune with the true self. I was once giving a lecture. It was a hall. There were like 3,000 people there, 2,000 people. And a guy came late. And there were no chairs in the back. The only chairs that were available were in the front. So they sent him to the front. So he had to walk through the whole auditorium. And I was speaking, but I was watching him. Right? And I could see he was thinking about one thing. What was he thinking about? Everybody's looking at me. This, what do I look like? What don't I look like? Why am I here? Who's here? Why? Get me out of here. Finally, he comes to the front. He sits down. He couldn't be there. He, the next 20 minutes, all he could think is about... What do they think of me? Am I crazy? Am I normal? I don't care about them. Oh, I do ca- No, I don't care. Who are they, Bechlal? Of course you don't care about them. That's why you don't stop thinking about them. He's arguing in himself. You know that argument? I care. I don't care. I really care. I almost care. I should care. No, I don't care. Really? Of course, yeah. But I'm, I'm horrified. The more I live in that space, the less I'm alive. I'm a filzich ishanishgot. A healthy life is a life when you could be in tune with life. When you're in tune with life. So the more bitl, the more chiyos, the more life. Because the true self is an expression of the divine. So therefore, the more self-consciousness, the more separation, the more fragmentation, the less self, not the more self. The more I feel my hand, it means my hand is not healthy. If my hand was in the most pristine state, it would be light. You don't even feel it's here. It's like you're uh, like like something flying, something flying. You don't feel its its heaviness. Certainly, you don't feel the pain. Even when you feel the heaviness of your body, it means that you're in a weaker state, in a more lethargic state. Certainly, when you feel pain, it may mean there's an affection, chas v'shalom, or whatever. This is imgashmi is the same as truzim ruchnis. Oh, 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 now you're asking a good question. You want to know how you graduate self consciousness? It's a nice word, right? So one way of dealing with it is alcohol. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. The Balatanya says, the Alter Rebbe says in Amaymer, why is it after the Mabel, what does Noyach do? He starts drinking. He creates a Kiddush club and he starts drinking. So some people say he looks outside as a Mabel, he gets depressed. And depressed people go to the bar. But the Balatanya says something very, very deep. He says, Noyach got to the source of everything. Before the Eitz Adas, there was no self-consciousness. There was no, the difference between the Eitz Adas before and after was no self-consciousness. How do you see this? Other Manchava could walk around without clothes. A one-year-old baby could walk around without clothes and nobody minds. You don't start calling the Vad and Mishmeres Hatzniyas and the signs of Yavai Satumah, nothing. Ah, he's walking around without clothes. 
The answer is he's one years old. There's no self-consciousness here. It's completely innocent. For him, exposing his body is like you exposing your pinky. What's wrong? What's wrong with my pinky? As we grow older, we become self-conscious. We become self-aware. And in that self-awareness, we're like, whoa, there's certain aspects of the body that you have to be ashamed of or not ashamed of, you have to protect, etc. Preserve. That happened after the Eitz Adam and Chava started to feel themselves. Before the Eitz they felt Hashem. Themselves, it was a conduit for Hashem. What are you embarrassed about your body? The Shalosh says, just like there's a mitzvah with the arm to put on tefillin, there's a mitzvah in another part of the body of Pruervu. What's there to be embarrassed? It's a mitzvah. What's the big deal? This is godly, this is godly. It's all godliness. Even the physical pleasure is godliness. What are you, what are you embarrassed about? There's no corruption in it. We live in a world of, we're very aware, we're very self-conscious. That self-conscious and awareness is not a compliment, it's a chisarin. That's happened after the Eitz They see themselves as separate. Noyach saw what this led to. It led to the mabel, corruption, destruction. So Noyach says, I have to heal the world. So the Baal says, how do you heal the world? You lose self-consciousness. How? You get drunk. That's what he says. You get drunk, you lose self-consciousness. Shai, you see drunk people, yeah? They'll tell you everything about themselves. Usually sober people, this you don't talk about. Right? Drunk people, if you're really, if you're really smashed enough, there's no inhibitions. There's almost like, no, I'm not aware, I'm here, I'm this, I'm that. You just come, you lose yourself. You lose yourself. What was Noyach's mistake? Noyach's mistake was when you drink, you don't transcend yourself. You forget about yourself for a few minutes, but you don't transcend yourself. You didn't take yourself and bring it to a higher place. You just got so drunk that you don't know what hit you for a few hours. But yourself remains yourself. When you sober up, you're back to the regular self. They say in the English Parliament, somebody told Churchill, Winston Churchill, you're a drunk, which he was. He liked the Lechayim. So Churchill says, Emmas, but you're stupid. And the difference is, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be sober. You wake up tomorrow, you'll remain stupid. <laughs> There'll be a difference, right? So, fine, I'm drunk. I wake up tomorrow, I'm sober. I'm back to myself. Hopefully I'm not stupid. But I'm back to myself. So Noyach didn't fix the situation. Noyach didn't transcend the self. Noyach went out of himself through alcohol. He didn't go above himself. He didn't lift himself up. In that sense, we are all, in some ways, we are all experiencing this crisis. Our mind doesn't stop with self-consciousness. And that's part of human existence. It's in the bittle where the person actually becomes truly alive. It's in that space of nullification of self to the source of self, which is the true self, so you become alive. That's not self-destruction. That's self-realization. That's ultimate self-actualization. Self-expression. When you stop feeling the self, your self is actually alive. When you feel it a whole time, it's not. So let's now finish the last lines here. The same idea. The Kedusha doesn't get destroyed in the fire. 
because it's min b'minoi. It's the same thing. And after the brackets, a lot of Malamakaimas, after the brackets, the Pasik says, Yiras Hashem Lachayim. The fear of Hashem to life. Yiras Hashem Toysif Yamim. The other way around. Yiras Hashem diminishes you. It makes you like, oh, I'm scared. But the puzzle says, no, Yiris Hashem is L'chaim. Yiris Hashem toysef yam. Malchuscha, malchus kolay lamim. Why? Shazel chiyusim v'kiyumim e'en en soif baruchu anem shechbehem. Yiris Hashem means you have a relationship with Ein soif. So if you have Ein soif, so now you have more of the, the energy of Ein soif that comes into you. Yiris Hashem toysef yamim. Malchuscha's malchus kolay lamim. Since the truth of life is Ein soif, so therefore the more Yiris Hashem, the more life. Something that's separated, that's fragmented. In other words, it has its own ego. He loses his own energy. He has to substitute for divine energy. Because he has to substitute for divine energy, you have to create a fake reality. So actually, you're always missing chiyos. You're always desperate for chiyos. You're always desperate for more and more life. Why? Because you created a fake source of life, a fake substitute of life, namely the ego self-perfection, this type of perfection, this type of image. When we spoke about this wax person, you created a fake life for yourself. So if I care, you have less chiyas. The more self, the less life, the more death. Because you detach yourself from the source of life. So every person experiences the pain of the separation. The pain of the separation means when I don't recognize my true source and I feel my separation... There's a very deep pain left over there. And in that pain, I have to create new situations. All addiction is really a symptom of being a Dovanifrit. So therefore, I need something. And you know what it is? As Dr. Tversky once told me, I asked him, is there a common denominator of all addicts? And he said, yeah. He's found that they are the most spiritual and sensitive people around. In other words, if you're more sensitive and more spiritual, so you feel this void more than other people. So you need powerful things to numb the pain. So you become an addict. However, if you're not so spiritual and sensitive, you can get away with voids. When a person feels deep pain, he needs medicine to get rid of it. When he doesn't feel so much pain, he goes, okay, you know what? You could dismiss it. You take a cup of coffee, you go to work, you go to your computer, you forget about it. You make a couple of dollars. When you're more sensitive and spiritual, you can't deal with the period. So you need something to distract you from yourself. So basically what this Maimur is teaching us is that most of us, or many of us, have one mission in life. And that is we're trying to distract ourselves from ourselves. It's just very hard. It's very hard to live with yourself. It's just too much. So you're trying to distract yourself from yourself. How? Whatever works. Whatever works to distract yourself from yourself works. For some people it's television. For other people it's WhatsApps. For some people it's serious substances. The bottom line is, I want to distract myself from myself because it's just too crazy, this self. It's a machte meshige. What's the Eitzah? The real Eitzah, he says, When a person can experience bitl, real bitl, this person is alive. Why is this person alive? Because his self is now expressing, it's living what it really is, not a substitute of it.
This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.